Good morning, everybody. Um, so good to be here with my life family in Adelaide. And um, my job is to open the Bible today. And so I tell you that really seriously. Anytime you open the Bible, you want to ask two questions. One, what happened? And two, more importantly, what's happening in us right now because of what happened? And so we're going to do our best to make Jesus bigger, the cross work better, the resurrection be central, and scriptures get bigger, not smaller. So if you like, like to follow an actual Bible, you can turn to the book of Leviticus. If not, I've made some really easy to follow along with slides um, that will come up behind me. I, immediately afterwards, as Pastor Mark said, um, um, my stand is there on the right. We have our resources in USB. Everything's in videos or audio. USBs, and so it's, it's really, really simple. Every series is $40, or you can get the bundle for $160. The only exception to that is I've just finished um, my whole series on the book of Revelation, um, and all those things bundled together in 95. But, um, but I, I, there's some new things out there since last time I've been here. Um, I finished my Revelation series. Uh, the reason is, is because I was frankly too embarrassed for words for the stuff I was seeing on the internet put up by Pentecostals about the book of Revelation. Um, I thought, man, we've got to talk about this in a more compelling way. And so I just did it. And um, I just finished the last part of that called the Letters to the Seven Churches, um, where I'll go through each of those and answer the question, where, where, does the church, where must the church go from here? I also just finished um, at the behest of some top church leaders. They asked me to address the topic of sex and sexuality. Um, and so I did an 11-part series on that topic. Now, actually, this is going to sound like I'm making a joke. My master's degree is in sex, okay? So I'm a theoretical expert, right? Now, in, in, in theory, I'm the best. In practice, pretty much crap. But in theory, like, no one's better than me. So, so I did that as a discipleship tool out there. Somebody came up to me and said, um, and said, Shane, how do you talk for 11 sessions on sex? I'm like, well, it's not a technique manual, right? Like, that, that would be four minutes long. It's, it's actually... It's actually a talk about how spirituality is sexuality and connection and disconnection and the ways we think about certain things and how to approach it better. Um, the church has painted itself in a corner that I'm telling you, um, we got to just talk about this stuff more compellingly. So that's out there. There's all kinds of stuff out there. And 100% of what we make from that, we give to the poor and the afflicted. We have three orphanages in China that look after children with mental disabilities, two in Henyang, one in Changsha. We also have a rescue home in Cape Town that gets girls out of sex trafficking off drugs, high school educated and job trained so we could do our part to break the cycle of poverty in the Cape Flats. So I said, the only thing I would ask is, if you don't want anything, God bless you. If you know you're going to get something, if you would do it first, because I got to pack it down and, and take it to where I'm speaking tonight. So I can't just, you know, if, if you could do that, that would just really, really help me out. So I want to talk to you this morning about how to handle regret. Now, um, that should make everybody sort of perk up because everybody's got regrets. Certain things unite humanity, right? Like, and regret is one of them. I'm, think, I'm talking about the things in your life you hope never end up on Facebook. That. I'm talking about the things you do that you hope the news never finds out about and tells everybody. That. I'm talking about when you meet a new group of friends and you wrestle with how much of your past to tell the new group of friends because they might think less of you. But then you wonder if they find out later, they'll think you're a liar. But you're not a liar. It's just 10 years old and it's none of their business. That. I'm talking about the things in your life that if you had a do-over, you take it, but you don't have a do-over because life doesn't normally give you do-overs. And so, but then people treat you as if you have a do-over, right? And so I'm talking about how to handle that. Now, this is a, a very ancient question. What do I do with my regrets, my failures, my shame? What do I do with this? Thank God we live in 2022 because if we lived in ancient Sumerian culture, they told you you could take care of your regrets with God by cutting yourself. 
The problem is, is they didn't know how much to cut, so they told them, just cut till it rained. Well, you imagine living in Adelaide and cutting yourself until it rained? Your arm could be falling off. There's, there was one monk in the 1300s that said, I prayed on my knees on stone floors until they bled, which leads to all kinds of questions like, what kind of image of God do you have that a God would take pleasure in you causing so much pain on yourself? just to handle the regrets. And so this is a, 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 an answer. This is a, um, an observation. This is a, uh, a, a, a liturgy that is the oldest that I could find. I think it might still be profoundly um, the best. Here's, here's what they did thousands of years ago in Jewish culture. Um, they set aside one day a year, and that day was called Yom Kippur, one day a year where you let it all go. All of your regrets grow, and here's what's more important, all of their regrets go. You, let, you, can't, you can't want mercy for yourself and then justice for everybody else. Essentially, this day was a day that was the holiest day of the year. It's the only day where they said Shabbat Shabbaton, absolutely no work. That when God forgives sins on this day, no one is allowed to do anything at all. Why? Because if somebody started doing something, there'd be people claiming it's what they did that got God to act. And then you'd have people who did it, and then you'd have people who didn't. You'd have people who were in and people who were out, people who were forgiven, people who weren't forgiven. And God's like, no, on this day, no one's allowed to do anything. I'm going to forgive everybody at one moment, at one time, and it won't be because of anything anybody did because you're not allowed to do anything. It was a beautiful, if I could use a, uh, if I could use a bucket as an illustration, right? If, you, if we took all your regrets and put them in a bucket, and we're going to bring that bucket to this moment, and then we're going to dump the bucket, and everybody starts the next year with a clean bucket, right? And it's a very important thing that we regularly have ritual where we let it go for ourselves and let it go for people who've hurt us. Otherwise, if you carry this year's regrets into next year, you're gonna need two buckets. And if you do it again, you're gonna need three. And at some point, you'll have to consolidate it into a barrel. And if we don't make a regular practice of letting it go for us and letting it go for them, life just gets too heavy. So, so, so like for me, every Saturday night before I go to bed, I take an audit of where I failed that week and I let it go. And I take an audit of who hurt me that week, and I let it go. And I'm not perfect with it, obviously. Sometimes letting stuff go takes a bit of a process. But being intentional about having a regular practice of letting it go keeps life from, 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 from overwhelming you. So, so in Leviticus, it was once a year. You had to come together and, and let it all go. Uh, it, now, a later writer said, actually, his mercy's new every morning. Right? So the Bible's not a static record of God. The Bible's a dynamic, progressive, moving revelation of God leading to the final revelation of God in the risen Christ. So in Leviticus, it was like, no, once a year, God does this. A later writer goes, actually, upon further review, I think his mercy's new every morning. And then Jesus was like, actually, if you want to know what I'm really like, it's 70 times 7 for the same sin in the same day. So if you can't go with Jesus because that's too nice, at least go back to forgiving yourself and others once a day. And if you can't do that, at least go back to forgiving yourself and others once a year. And if you're con concept of God is meaner than Leviticus, I would suggest it's time to change. Like if you're still holding something against yourself or somebody else that's over a year old, that concept of God is meaner than Leviticus. So here's my goal this morning. I have four of them. I want to talk about how to handle regret. Two, I want to talk about how to handle their regret, which is equally important. Three, 
I want Jesus to really get big. You'll see how in just a second. And, and four, I want us to understand the power of celebration. This is Leviticus uh, 16, I think. Next slide. Good job on the slides. This is the account of Yom Kippur. This is what it says. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. So this day centered around two goats. Next slide. Let's talk about these two goats. There was two goats. One was the goat for the Lord. And the other was the goat for the scapegoat. Let's talk about the goat for the Lord for a second. This was pretty simple, right? They would have two goats. They would cast lots. One lot would fall to the goat for the Lord. It's going to be a bad day for that goat. But let's just be honest. If you're born a goat, it's just a bad day, period, right? The other goat is the scapegoat. And simply stated, the goat for the Lord is going to handle something for the people on the inside where no one can see. The goat for the scapegoat is going to show the people in public what the goat on the inside already handled. Ironically, that's how the New Testament frames Jesus. That forgiveness and the cross was true before the foundation of the world, but you wouldn't believe it without seeing it, so he showed you. Now, this is a weird word, the word scapegoat. The word is azazel. Now, this is the most important word I'm going to teach you today, so I want you to repeat that with some Go Crows gusto, okay? All right, so let's start to, it just sounds like this, Azazel, ready, go, Azazel, let's, that's a perfect amount of gusto, I like that, right? Let's try that again, ready, go, Azazel, now Azazel is a strange word, it's very hard to translate it, Azazel means take him away. You can't really translate it that way. He's to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the take him away. It doesn't read well in English. That's why the Afrikaans Bible, by the way, just leaves it as Azazel. You don't know what to do with it. Azazel also means a weapon in the hand of the enemy. If you're a Marvel fan, there's a Marvel comic called X-Men. And in X-Men, one of the villains in X-Men is named Azazel or Azazel, and remember his power is to grab people and take them away. This is the etymology of that word. The idea is, is that your bucket of regrets, we're gonna put it on the head of a goat and we're gonna remove it. We're gonna take your goat. We're gonna, we're gonna take that away, or a weapon in the hand of the enemy. The idea is, is that whatever the enemy is using to beat you up, normally your own failure, we're gonna remove it. We're gonna take, so, so there was two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other was for Azazel, and Azazel means take him away, get him out of here. This is what this is, this is Yom Kippur, the day God just lets it all go. Let's see where this takes us, next slide. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by Lot as the Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it away into the desert as the Azazel. So what I want to do is I want to walk you through a Yom Kippur ceremony, and I want to remind you that the gospel writers used Yom Kippur as a backdrop to explain the meaning of Christ. Makes perfect sense. How do you explain the meaning of something? You take something someone already understands, and you frame it with that language. So this day centered around two goats, one goat for the Lord and the other was for Azazel. First, let's walk through the goat for the Lord. This is gonna be a bad day for this goat. So the goat for the Lord has a five-step process. What they would do is they take the goat in, 
they would strap him to an altar. This is a horrible thing. The first thing they would do is they did something called the laying on of hands. Mala. Now, for us, laying on of hands looks like this. Right? And I, and I don't mind that. But, but in the Jewish culture, laying on of hands had nothing to do with touching somebody. Like, would, 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 G, would, would rabbis have prayed for sick people? Y- yes. But would they have touched them? No. But would they have laid hands on them? Yes. But would they have touched them? No. But would they lay hands on them? Yes. But would they have touched them? No. Think about that till lunch. Now, <laughs> malah did not mean literally to touch, although if you touch, whatever. Malah meant to impart something that's within your authority to impart. And in this scenario, the priest was empowered to impart all the regrets of Israel. So everybody break your buckets. Everybody's got your buckets. We're going to put it on this goat. Now, the Talmud tells us that when the priest did this, the pressure of all the regrets of the people going on to one goat forced him to turn his head. So the picture you would get is this. Hang on a second. The gospel writer says that when Jesus was on the cross, the father put the sins of the whole world upon him and turned his his head. This is Yom Kippur language. It's like, it's like a Jewish person reading that would go, hang on, turn to, is this the day God just lets it all go? But the next part of the ceremony was called the press. Literally, the priest would lay on the goat, reach around and squeeze. I think the idea is we really, really, really need to get the sins in the goat, right? Now the play on words there is, is the Hebrew word for press is Gethsemane. So when Jesus, the gospel writer said, Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane. And remember his prayer? What does he pray? Father, I'm pressed with the sins. Again, the audience would have been like, is this the day God just, is the day God just lets it all go happening right in front of us? The next part of the ceremony was called, it is finished. Where the priest would exactly the ninth hour, by the way, would cut the goat's throat and proclaim in a loud voice, it is finished. Why? Because everybody's outside. Nobody else can see what's going on. So he's sort of keeping them up to date with what's happening. Hang on. The gospel writer said that at exactly the ninth hour, Jesus proclaimed in a loud voice, it, it, this is all Yom Kippur language. This is all like, hang on. Is this, is the day God's just letting it all go happening right in front of us? When the priest would then now take the goat's blood, he would catch it in a cone shaped cylinder and swirl it because the blood had to stay alive. And so what they would do is they'd swirl it and he would say this walking into the Holy of Holies. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. I have not yet offered the blood of the sacrifice. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. I have not yet offered the blood of the sacrifice. Hang on a second. The gospel writers say after all these things, Jesus meets two women in a garden. And what is his greeting to them? Hello? No. Don't touch me. Don't touch. This is Yom Kippur language. The priest would then walk into the Holy of Holies. There was an altar there. He would sprinkle the blood on the altar seven times. Different message for a different day. Sprinkle the blood on the altar seven times, and then he would be a bloody mess. He would then walk out of the Holy of Holies, and he would wash his hands. And after he washed his hands, because they were a bloody mess, he had to present them to witnesses that he had survived the whole ordeal and he wasn't like a spiritual apparition, that he actually walked out of there in flesh. It was this divine sort of sign that, yes, I have accepted 
This, hang on, the gospel writers say, after all these things, Jesus appeared to witnesses in a room, and the first thing he does is he presents his hands for inspection. This is all Yom Kippur language. This is all like, hang on, is this the day God just lets it all go? Is this the day of atonement being lived out right in front of us? But this day did not center around one goat. That goat handled everything in private. This day also centered around a second goat. And the second goat's name was Azazel. And Azazel means take him away. In general, people won't believe what they don't see. The gospel writers and the New Testament writers, six different places by four different authors, says, please understand, Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world, but in these last days was manifested just so you could see it. In other words, the cross did not inaugurate a new reality, like God was grumpy and then he killed somebody and now he's not. No, no, no. The cross was true before the foundation of the world, that Jesus did not inaugurate a new reality. Jesus just simply showed us what God was always like that God was always in Christ willing to suffer for the broken story. And even if the broken story murders him, he'll use the murder to redeem the broken story. This is an ultimate sort of love. So the first goat was the goat for the Lord. The second goat was the goat for Azazel. Here's the account of that. Next slide. When Aaron has finished making atonement in most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, now he's going to bring forward the live goat. The live goat's Azazel. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat. Mala, and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins. Now, I can read that in Hebrew, and I can tell you that the word all there is actually all. Because when all says all, let's leave all all, because if all doesn't mean all, we run the risk of our mistakes not counting in all. So let's leave all all, because it says all, and it's better if it's all. Let's not make exceptions to all, because all means all. But Shane, he left his wife for another woman. I know. All. But Shane, they're an addict. I know. All. If you're wondering if your regret counts in this day, here's my only question. Does your regret fit into the category of all? Because if it fits in the category of all, then it was covered on this day without us doing anything. The big mistake we can make as a Christian is to start making exceptions to all. Because when we make exceptions to all, we run the risk of our mistake one day not fitting into the category of all. So we're going to take all the sins and put them on the goat's head. I'll talk to you about that in a second. He shall send the goat away. There's that take him away thing. Send the goat away in the desert in the care of a man appointed to the task. So somebody's got to be in charge of making sure the goat gets out of here, right? Next slide. The goat will carry on itself all their sins, all, all, all their sins to a solitary place. And the man shall release it into the desert. The man who releases the goat as the Azazel, must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. Afterwards, he may come into the camp. So let's walk through the ceremony for Azazel. Essentially, you'd have a live goat. He's terrified. He knows what just happened to his friend inside. There's hundreds of thousands of people. This is a nightmare. Next slide. So what would happen is step one is mala. Everybody bring your bucket. Everybody bring your bucket. We're going to put it on this goat's head. The priest would then they would then attach the sins to the goat's head. They, by, they would do it by um, using a scarlet woolen thread, a, a red cord. They would take the red cord and they would wrap it around the goat's head. The priest would then step back and say, behold, Israel, your sin 
the goat standing there with red wrapping on his head. Hang on a second. The gospel writers say that as a part of Jesus' trial, Pilate had his head wrapped in thorns and stood in front of the Jewish crowd. Hmm. If you wrap someone's head in thorns, what color would the wrapping be? Red. So in the gospel, you have this picture of Jesus standing in front of a Jewish crowd with red wrapping wrapped around his head. Is this the day God just lets it all go? Then they would do something called the walk through the crowd, and they walked him through the crowd. They, they would, they would then, the, the priest would walk him through the crowd, and they would put a man in charge of this Azazel, and he would say, Behold, Israel, your sin is being removed from you as far as the east is from the west. Behold, Israel, your sin is being removed from you as far as the east is from the west. The priest would then cut a piece of the red cord off of the goat's head, hand the goat to the man appointed to the task, and the man appointed to the task would start walking the goat into the desert. The priest would then hang the cord from the temple door. And so these people would now start making sure that goat is removed. Now, this is where it gets boring. Remember, Yom Kippur, you're not allowed to do anything. And it takes a long time to remove a goat that far into the desert. And so you just basically... It's just standing around. The priest is doing some boring stuff, right? This guy is removing the goat. What they started doing is taking the goat to the nearest cliff and just tossing him off. Um, the reason is that was easier. Uh, the, the second reason is, is that the Mishnah tells us that there was one Yom Kippur, that three days after Yom Kippur, the goat found its way back home, <laughs> right? And so, and, and so all the sins returned, you know? It's like a loaded goat, you know? Which, which by the way, um, if we ever become a group of people who bring up people's failures, we're goat bringers when we're actually called to be goat removers. Like, I don't know if this exists here, but in, when I was a kid, if you do something dumb and, you're, and your friends are taking the mickey out of you, you know, your grandmother might have said something like this, Shane, don't let them get your goat. Don't let them get your goat. Don't let that, the etymology of the phrase, don't let them get your goat, is don't let them bring your failure up. Don't let them bring your shame up. See, see, when the church of Jesus Christ brings up people's failures or Googles people's names to find out their failures, only to talk about it, we become the weapon in the hand of the enemy that God's removed. I don't think we want to do that. Actually, at this church, this church should be a place of fresh starts, second chances, clean slates, opportunities to write a better story, that we're never goat bringers. We're always goat removers. They would release it in the desert. Once the goat was released, you knew it happened because the Talmud says that a miracle happened every year on this day. So the priest is just doing his thing. That red cord, when the goat was released, would turn white. It's like this sign, like, hey, yeah, this worked. Um, Isaiah mentions it, come now. Let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be made white. Yes, that's a Yom Kippur reference. It's like, oh, is this the day God just lets it all go? And what would happen is, is, is but here's the problem. I want you to think about this for a second. Think about, the, think about this from an energy perspective, okay? Hundreds of thousands of people who aren't allowed to do anything all day long except come and experience their whole bucket of regret being removed. They're not allowed to do anything, and they watch this cord turn white. 
what would the general feeling in that open field be? Oh, you would just, oh my goodness, here's the problem, you're not allowed to do anything. Because as soon as people start celebrating, there's going to be someone saying, it's because we worship that God did this. It's because we did this that God did this. And it's like, no, not on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, God's doing it because he's nice. And no one gets to boast about what they do or their ritual. So you're not allowed to do anything. You would feel the buzz rising and rising and rising and rising and rising. Because Yom Kippur didn't end until the priest saw the cord turn white. And when the priest saw the cord turn white, the priest would end Yom Kippur with a very simple move. On the stage where he would performed all this stuff, there was a chair. And he would back up to that chair, hold his hand up, and sit. And when the priest sat down, that was the indication there was nothing else left to do. And Yom Kippur is now over. And when that happened, I'm trying to think of the Hebrew for this. They went nuts. <laughs> right? Why? Because when you get a revelation that all that regret, you get a fresh start, just in a logistic standpoint, you get a fresh start, a second chance, a clean slate, an opportunity to write a better story that my field, another a metaphor they would use is that you're, it's like your field is now empty and ready for new sowing. Now, if you, say, if you sow the same seeds every year, you're going to get the same fruit and you have the same bucket of regret every year. That would be horrible. But the idea is, is use this fresh start to write a better story. And that's we're celebrating. There, there was this one guy that was there, and he wrote down his experience. This is from somebody in the crowd who wrote down his experience, and um, it gets tra it's, it's, the translation is pretty old English, so forgive it, but it, it's a really compelling sort of thing about what they experienced. Next slide. He then fastened a scarlet woolen thread to the head of the goat for Azazel. Notice the translator there does it. He, they just, Azazel, we don't know what to call it. And laying his hands upon it again, recited the following confession of sin and prayer for forgiveness. Oh, Lord, I've, in, I've acted with iniquities, trespasses, and sins before you. I, my household, and the sons of Aaron, your holy ones, forgive the iniquities, transgressions, and sins that I, my household, and Aaron's children, your holy people, committed before you. As it is written in the law of Moses, your servant, for on this day he'll forgive you to cleanse you from all, all your sins before the Lord, and you will be clean. This is the day God just lets it all go. Hang on a second. So I'm going to test your knowledge of something. So Jesus is being tried, okay? And this is every, Easter's coming, which is why I chose to do this message because it sort of sets it up. But, but, but uh, Jesus is being tried. And in every passion play ever, in, in every movie about it ever, Pilate is in this conundrum. He doesn't want to hurt the guy, but he doesn't want to riot either. And so he basically, he tries everything to get, he, he offers them to kill a murderer instead of this guy. And they're like, no, 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 release Barabbas, right? There's this, all this stuff going on. And finally, he just goes, he stands them in front of the people and he says, what do you want me to do with him? And they start chanting something really famous. What is it they chant? Everybody together, ready? Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Here's the problem. That is not what they said. Check this. Next slide. It was the day of preparation for Passover week, about the sixth hour. 
Here's your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Hang on a second. If a Jewish crowd is yelling, take him away, what word would they be saying? Azazel, 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 Azazel. Is this the day God just lets it all go? Hang on, in Leviticus it says, Somebody has to be put in charge of the Azazel. Remember Jesus tells Pilate, you've been given charge over me. And remember what it says, after the person in charge of the Azazel is done with the Azazel, he must wash his hands. Next slide. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. Is this the day God just lets it all go? (laughs) Oh, but hang on a second. Yom Kippur ends when the priest sits. Next slide. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. In other words, you have a standing priest, there's still work to be done. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest has offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he is now sat down at the right hand of God. Is this the day God just lets it all go? (laughs) Which leads me to this question. Have we ever framed Christianity in a way that makes God stand back up? Have we ever framed Christianity like, hang on, before God's going to accept you, you got to do our ritual at our moment, at our time, and our posture? It's like the only time in the New Testament you see Jesus stand back up is when stoning of Stephen. Essentially, it says he stood from heaven and watched. In in other words, if you're going to act like that, then did what I do? You're adding to this ultimate loving kindness and grace. What are you doing? Like if you're here today and you're wondering if your regret counts in all, I would say it does count in all. And I would say that any thought we have that we need to do something in order to make that right, we do not want to make Jesus stand back up. This is Yom Kippur. There's this guy named John. And he's writing about this amazing sort of thing. Watch what he says. Dear children, I love that, dear children. I write this to you so that you will not sin. Stop. The only appropriate response to the grace of God is to write a better story. Like if somebody gives you a clean slate, write a better story. If you hit a bad golf shot and they were talking in your swing and they say, take a mulligan, aim differently. If you commit a crime and a clever lawyer gets you off, stop breaking the law. If you take a test and you fail the test, but your teacher knows that you're smarter than that, so the teacher gives you a do-over on the test, write different answers. The only appropriate response to the grace of God of getting a do-over is to make a better story out of that opportunity. Essentially, You don't want to presume upon the grace of God to forgive you every year. Will he? Yes, but your life will suck. If you show up every year with the same exact bucket of regrets, that is sad. Is God faithful and just to keep emptying the bucket for you? Yes, but his heart is that your life will be far better than that. Dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Watch his next line though. But if anybody does, <laughs> I love that. Dear children, I hope you don't. But if you do, <laughs> and you will. <laughs> 
It actually says that in Greek, by the way. Greek has four classes of conditional clauses. Um, English only has one. The, 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 the first class of conditional clause assumes the if is true. That's what's going on here. You can tell in the syntax. So the second class is it assumes it's false, but this one's definitely class one. It's, 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 uh, it's, I hope you don't, but if you do, and you will, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice. That's that Yom Kippur word. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Oh, and not only for our sins, but for the sins of the... Oh, my dear children. You didn't think Jesus just died for you, did you? That would, like, make you a jerk. Like, this grace of extension of bucket emptying is extended to everybody, everywhere. Dear children, I hope you don't, but if you do, you still have one who speaks to the Father in your defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Oh, oh, by the way, do you know what the word speaking in our defense is? It's the word judge. See, when we say we're going to stand in front of Jesus and he'll judge us, the, the, the Hebrew word for judge is not a court official. It's someone anointed by God to set you free, to defend you. And you already knew that. There's a whole book in the Bible called the book of Judges. Right? These aren't courtroom officials. These are people anointed by God to set you free. This is the problem when we say things that are technically true, but they create a toxic imagination. Like if I said, one day you'll stand in front of Jesus and he'll judge you. And then you're thinking, yeah, but he forgave me, right? Like what do we, like my Sunday school teacher when I was seven told me one day in heaven, God was going to put my whole life on a giant movie screen for everybody to look at. First of all, how what was wrong with any of, we must have all been flipping mentally ill to say yes to a relationship where the person premeditatedly and intentionally tells you ahead of time they're going to shame you? That's weird. Of course, I was just seven and scared to death, right? But, but two, how boring can you make heaven? My life's not that interesting today. You imagine if you say, hey, let's go to heaven and watch the lives of seven-year-olds. Good God. Third, 13.7 billion people have lived and died with an average lifespan of 50 years. That means the first 650 billion years of eternity is watching people's lives. <laughs> Strap in, everybody. Might want to take a restroom break. Next up is Methuselah. Right? Come on. There's a much better story here than all of that. Will you stand in front of Jesus and he'll judge you? Yes. What does that mean in Hebrew? It means... One day you'll be in the presence of the one finally and fully anointed to set you free from everything that's holding you back. That's a beautiful story. Now, how can we remember today? They say great teachers can summarize big things in one sentence. I need four. Here we go. Next slide. The hands have been washed. Yeah, yeah but Shane, you understand. It's this thing I can't stop. It's, I, I struggle with this addiction. I know. I know. Dear children. Please stop and change your life. But if you do, the good news is better than that failure. The good news is that the hands have been washed. Maybe we could say it this way. Next slide. The cord has turned white. Yeah, but Shane, you don't understand. I left my wife. I had an affair. I ended up with the other. It's a disaster. I've ruined everything that I love. My children don't like me. I know, I know. Dear children, I wish you wouldn't have. But since you did, the good news is better than that failure. The good news is that the cord has turned white and you, has turned white and you can walk forward with integrity instead of being held back about the mistake. The cord has turned white. Let's say it this way. Next slide. The priest 
has sat down. But Shane, it's my fault. You don't understand. I just can't stop engaging in that behavior. I know, I know, dear children, I write these things to you so that you will stop doing that and write a better story. But the good news is better than that failure. The good news is the good news is this priest is sitting down and there's nothing that we can do to make him want to stand back up. Calm on. Should we change our life for the better? Yes, but it's not because God will hate us if we don't. It's because God has been ultra kind and given us the opportunity to write a better story. Let's take the better story. But perhaps the best way to remember today is simply this statement. Next slide. The goat has left the building. Azazelvis has left the building. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, but Shane, you don't understand. I went through this divorce. I know. It was my fault. I also know. But the good news is better than that. The good news is your goat has left the building. But you understand, I committed this crime. I know you did. I know. I know. But the good news is better than that. The good news is your goat has left the building. The next time somebody brings up a failure that's older than a year old, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, I know. I know. The problem is I just don't see my goat anywhere. I just don't see... My goat, may we never be goat bringers, but always the affirmation that the goat has left the, 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 the building. But, but Shane, it's, the, it's this computer. I can't stop looking at certain things. It just, it, I feel so bad, but it just, I know, I know, dear children, change your life. Do something about that to write a better story. But the good news is better than that failure. The good news is your goat has left the building. And here's the truth of it. The truth of it is, is that we have a choice to embrace the bucket empty for us and by the way, for them. People say, but Shane, they're wrong about God. Of course they're wrong about God. Everybody's wrong about God. Are you serious? Nobody's figured God out. If the goat leaves the building for you, then the goat leaves the building for them. The stuff I've seen church people divide over, man, are you kidding me? Dividing over that? Like, Christians are not climate experts. We're not sex experts. We're not health experts. There are health experts in the room. They'd be called doctors, right? We're not even good theologians, and nor are we called to be that. We're called to see the world how Jesus saw the world, see God how Jesus saw God, apply Scripture how Jesus applied Scripture, and if the goat leaves the building for us, then the goat leaves the building for people we disagree with. It's not, you can't want mercy for yourself and justice for everybody else. And if the world sees us in conversation, may the Christ that holds us all together be glorified more than our opinion be exalted. This is Yom Kippur. I love the end of Yom Kippur because they celebrate, but they don't celebrate to get God to act. They celebrate because he already did. So my brothers and sisters, let's have a quiet moment and be honest about our regret. And I want the fear, the guilt, the shame, the pain, the agony. You're not gonna have to carry it one more day because the good news is better than that failure. The good news is your goat has left the building. The pain, the agony, the fear, that deep wonderment that will God accept me one day. Good news is better than that. The good news is the goat has left the building. Now, if you're here today and you haven't 
made a decision to surrender your life to Jesus. And I wanna be fair to you. Maybe the reason is because you had a good reason not to. Maybe the image of Jesus presented to you should have been rejected. Maybe somebody told you that one day Jesus was gonna put your life on a giant movie screen for everybody to see, and you're like, I don't want in on anything like that. Good for you, good for you. It actually tells me you're more mentally healthy than some of us. Um, but maybe today's your day because you might hear words like salvation or saved or, and you're like, what does that even mean? It, it, here's what it means. It means that we trust Jesus's version of our life story instead of the one we've been writing on our own. And we choose to surrender to that version of our life story. That's what salvation is. Salvation is going, I've been writing my story on my own. I'd like to put my faith and my trust in your version of my life story instead of the one I've been given this to go at on my own. And so I would invite you in the quiet of this moment, if you'd like to surrender your life to Christ and you need words to say, you can say something like this, just in your heart. Lord Jesus, today I'm choosing to trust you. I'm choosing to trust your version of my life story instead of the one I've been working on on my own. I believe it's better. Would you teach me how to live? Thank you for accepting me. And thank you for making a way for me. I'm choosing to trust that today. If that's you, you can start your journey today by saying that next yes. Would you look this way? Thanks so much for me being a part of your morning. I hope Jesus got bigger for you. The cross worked better. The resurrection is central. And scriptures got bigger, not smaller. It's always an honor to be here. May the shame, the guilt, the pain, the regret, the fear, may that never, ever be a part of you again. Because the good news is better than that failure. The good news is your goat has left the building. Now may we use that and write a better story. Until I see you next time. Grace and peace, everyone.